knocking on the door. Guess who is knocking on the door? Guess who is knocking on the door? It's me, motherfucker. I'm knocking on the door. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 17 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Iced Tea, the official alcohol sponsor of the show, as well our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. Good to have everybody back this week. A lot of bull riding on this weekend, a lot of big-time scores, big-time money. Before we get into that, let me introduce you to the boys. First up, Jason Davidson. How you doing, JD? Too bad, Red. What about you? I'm good, man. Hanging out. Snow's melting. Weather's getting nicer. I can almost see the golf course. So, no, it just come back. Where are you living today, bro? There's it's... no snow here. No, we skipped Really? It. We're far enough north. Oh, that's too bad because I'd like to go sledding one more weekend. Oh, yeah. Fuck that. I'm done with the snow, man. I'm done with the snow. You don't have a sled. That's the yeah. first time. <laughs> it, I'm not shitting you. And as long as I can remember, I ever prayed for snow. Yeah. Well, this winter. Fuck. And just north of Petrovka Bridge, though. None yeah. south. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Scott Byrne joins us as well. Scott, how are you doing? Good, fellas. How are you? How are you? It's good to see your smiling faces again. Uh, Jason, I would think after that last comment, you're an official sled head. No shit. Oh, my sled head. Yeah. Yeah. Sled head. Sure. I'll go with that, I guess. That's the handle you want to put on me. Yeah, the weather's looking nice. Forecast is looking nicer. So been planning a little bit of uh, once the government side of things open up, we'll plan some outdoor bull riding, smaller ones that we can get out. I've been talking with uh, Josh Barize and the Scories and kind of get a little bit of a tour together if we can get that going here, NFP style. A little nice. bit of uh, a little bit of fun stuff going on that way. So we'll see how that kind of plays out, depending on the on the rules and regulations. But at this point, I think everybody's ready to just fucking get things going so like you guys know once the weather gets fucking nicer and everybody wants to get outside i'm sure everybody will be like well the days are stretching out so that's what i like i'm up now 6 36 45 and i get down to the office and i get a lot of my stuff what are you shaking your head for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you think this boat floats just sleeping uh, in every day yeah i'm no. texting you at 6 45 tomorrow morning yeah, and i, I want a response so. in a minute <laughs> That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Twyla would be real happy to hear that phone going off at 645. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you're going to have this little tour, uh, the next generation of burn bullfighters is uh, kicking her off. Uh, he's going to another school, Braden. He's going to be looking for jobs, cousin. Oh, yeah. Fucking right. So we'll I'll tell you what. I know that kid well enough. He is going to be relentless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, yeah you'll be blocking his freaking caller id i don't have to tell those boys about promoting yourself and uh Milk. you know like uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease yeah that'll be yeah. there scott did you get your sneaky weasel yet that's a big negative there ghost rider <laughs> the pattern is still full apparently um yeah, I, I, just, I got nothing I drank oh, them all. I even, I even I checked drank my mailbox. All. I thought I might get one can, like one can. I've been even opening up my little mailbox, opening to open one can, nothing. But did you there see, I, I think it was on Instagram, there was a picture of like a pyramid on Tanner's oh, bar. Yeah. No, no, I saw it. 
I did. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't you know guys, what's going on there. Guess where those are at? In your belly. <laughs> In my belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the other weekend also, too, I had, uh, we were talking on the last pod, I had Bo Byrne and Logan Cadillac up, and there was a stack of that in like my spare room and it's all gone. So I, I think those boys <laughs> might have might have snaked a little bit of sneaky weasel for themselves there on the road. Uh, <laughs> those sneaky little weasels. <laughs> exactly. If uh if we don't get an event going at the burn residence soon, Scott, we are gonna have to go buy our own, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, doors always open. Doors always open. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> uh yeah, other than that, it was pretty low-key weekend around here but there was a lot of bull riding action going on in the usa pensacola florida was the velocity event kansas city missouri both popping off a bunch of good bull rides all around and tons of tons of action uh both bull wise both rider wise canadian guy wise uh, jake gardner steps out gets across the line and, and uh shows what he's all about gets an 85 in round one yeah gets a little uh Play sixth, uh, I believe, in the round and finished 11th overall. Um, good work for him. How about Proctor? Our old buddy Shane Proctor, you know? Yep. He was riding bulls when you were in diapers still, Tanner. But Scott and I, we shit. I think I even fought some bulls for Shane Proctor once. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yep, he's brand new dad, too, and uh, he's just giving her good for him. I was good to see. I like to see the old guys come through with the win. When you say old, how old would Proctor be? I'm Dude, he's not he's that 32 33 ish yeah. in there yeah probably, he won yeah. the PCA world championship it seems like a long time ago no it wasn't that long ago though actually and and he was still on tour when he stopped going to pbr events he made the world finals he came to new york and just because he wanted to come to new york one more time and then he just went rodeoing after that but he was still yeah. on tour he was still at the top of his game and just wanted to go ride bucking horses and shit as well birthday tomorrow he is going to be how old tomorrow, do you guys think? 35. 35. Close. 36 tomorrow. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's the same age as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good, though. And I think uh, with that, that'll get him a spot at the next event on the on the UTB series. So we'll yeah, I wonder, he, that I wonder if he chooses to go. Or... I'm sure he will right now with with nothing really going on right I, i'm sure what's next weekend louisville kentucky is next weekend there's also a 15 15 at that one so that'll be some more action for the guys and a bunch of good matchups um, but before we get into that we can get back to uh kansas city missouri yeah huge rides record setting rides who's got the number one bull uh, i'm guessing you now after the 47 point out from whoopa you not do. a bad pick. You, not a bad pick. Not, yeah, yeah. We'll give it. But to you. you watch this. You watch that bull. The last three outs that he's had has been spurred around to the left. We'll see if he gets smart. Maybe switches it up. Goes back left. Uh, Pro Bull Stats had a tweet about how that bull lets you get away with just diving around there to the left and kicking loose because he's he's just going to stay hooked and keep going that way. So he's no slump. He's 47.5-point bull. You get 95.5s like Boudreaux Campbell did on him. Mm-hmm. But he's one that that kind of like a bruiser where if you're doing things right, you can get the job done. Um, you stab your toe, he's going to buck you off. But a lot of those other, like McBride talked about last week, a lot of those world champion bulls, there's some that you're supposed to ride. 
some that have a lot more difficulty to them. And that's one that if he does become a world champion, but is one that, that looks like he rides, rides good. And the guys mm-hmm. should be picking him first as Boudreaux did. And he had to pick that bull knowing that as a right-handed rider, Cooper Davis was picking second, you know, Cooper's going to pick chiseled and be anywhere from 90 to 94 that he was. So if uh, Boudreaux would have tried to have the easy way out and pick something maybe a little bit nicer, he wouldn't have been enough points. He had right. to be that 95 and a half, which is crazy to think, but had to be 95 and a half to win that event and pulled it off. And Cooper third? Did Cooper second. get a third? Yeah, second. Cooper was second, yeah, with 94. I was, And I would have two number ones right now if I would have went with my gut. You guys want to I'll, – I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. I'm willing to no. donate. No. no. <laughs> Don't listen. Listen. I'm willing to donate – $300 to the Ty Pazabon Foundation today. Well, you should Let just do that today. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay, now here comes the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> this is no. just bragging rights, yeah. right? It's no, like but you were the one who said right from the start, no <laughs> fucking no. Uh, participation medals, none of that shit. No fucking change it up. You stick with your guns, god dang it. I think it's Cooper <clears throat> Davis's birthday today, too, by the way. Past yeah, guest. Is. Yeah, happy is birthday, it? Cooper Oh, Davis. happy birthday to a former guest of the NFP podcast, Cooper Davis. Hope you have a good one, buddy. Really good. So, Boudreaux Campbell, when he's Some on, he's red. on. Like, mm-hmm. he's on. Even in the in the long round, the last day, he had a ball away from his hand. It really bucked away from his hand. He was a good score on him. And I think Boudreaux's key to success is controlling that free arm at the at the nfr when he was having trouble and then he he was injured after that and stuff so he's just kind of getting back so we're finally seeing the boudreaux campbell that we've seen at the world finals last year but you watch that free arm when it gets whipping way behind and it looks good when he's getting lots of points out of him but on those rank bulls it gets whipped behind him and he gets bucked off and and he rode three rank bulls this weekend and and looked like that was his main focus was just controlling that thing. So I'm betting McBride and, and JW Hart and those guys that are, you know, helping those guys out and talking to those guys are, are really pushing that for him. And it looked like he just, he just had that thing crisp. That free arm wasn't going past his shoulders and riding. And I think he can keep that under control. He's unstoppable. That's like Justin McBride said, he just kept it to the five basic things. And that's probably what Boudreaux went back to just went back to riding bulls. Right. And, yeah, because like he had hell in in uh, at the NFR there. What did he get? Did he get one road? Was it yeah, one yeah, it wasn't about. He got yet. one. Come off such a well stellar finals, obviously, right? So yep. I I really expected uh, way bigger things out of him at Globe Life Field during the NFR. Like I thought, you know what? Maybe a world title might be out of reach. He was far enough behind those guys like Sage and whatnot. But uh, to pick up one hundred and fifty thousand at the NFR and the bull riding, you just need to ride five bulls, right? Ride half your bulls. You could win that much money. So we'll see what he does. Especially coming off of the, the world PBR world finals where he won Mm -hmm. against all those guys. It was like, Oh, this Mm -hmm. guy's going to fucking cakewalk through the NFR. Yeah. And we can, and you'd, and you'd probably get some argument from PRCA riders, but higher caliber of bulls. Yeah, I think yeah, obviously, yeah, at AT and T opposed to across the road at Globe Life, like, but that's just me. And it could have pick a fight. 
It could possibly play into his head too, though, a little bit when you when you just go and fucking kill it at the world finals, and then you're going to the NFR and you're like, well, fuck, I just beat those guys. Come on, here we go, and and you know that could be in the back of your mind, and you've seen that happen many a times going in too confident or whatever might happen. You're right, Tanner. You let your foot off the gas just a smidge, and you know you hit the ditch. So um, you're right. I I remember Rob Bell did it twice. came from the PBR world finals to the, to the Canadian finals rodeo. And I, I know he rode all six one year and maybe five out of six the other year and won two Canadian championships. I remember it was just, he rode tadpole. You remember that bullet Franklin's black, white, face, oh, yeah. Mealy? Yep. you know, and I think he might've been the bucket bowl of the year. If I recall, I just dead easy, dead easy. It's yeah. a mind game, man. It's yeah, your, your confidence. And when you're on a roll, you're on a roll. Right. And, and if you can use that to your advantage, and I, you know, I kind of want to go back too to to Justin McBride's interview when he's just you listen to the words that are coming out of his mouth talking about the highest level and the highest ranked bulls of Little Yellow Jacket and Mudslinger and just nothing that he did he was lucky to to do he just he had a mindset that was made for success made to be a champion and that's that's why he was able to do what he did right it's just yeah. You can see it in his everyday life, what he does. He just, once you got that focus and, and you have that ability, you put it all together and shit's going to happen. But if you told me that I should ride one of those world champion bulls easy, I'd be like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. I'd and feel I lucky think, if I got him rode, right? Right. And that goes back to in that conversation with Justin was it was, and don't take this the wrong way, but it was easy for him. I know it was hard to get to that point, but once he had it mentally figured out, it just seemed easier than the average guy that can't get that squared away, right? That mental game. Yeah, fucking right. So the overshadowing that we won't forget, we touched on it, but Cooper Davis was 94 points as well, mm-hmm. which was probably, I think uh, Lemme was 94 and a bit in Fort Worth the other weekend. And then uh, Cooper, 94. Usually that's the highest mark right of the season for sure. A 94 point score the last... I don't know how many years, right? And that right mm-hmm. now is the third highest score on the season. So it's pretty, uh, pretty wild what we're getting to see. Did Did you see he? Uh, was it the first night the fireworks went off? Was he was nodding? Was that? <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He put a he put a post out and just said he didn't know whether to let go or get on or whatever. Right, nod his head and go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he rode good and and he had to. He had to really hunker it down in the second round. He was half bucked off and hung upside for a little bit and. Uh, he's just really showing that he's wanting that world championship this year, that it doesn't matter what stands in his way. He's going to go for, for first. And there a lot of talk online was he really was the biggest winner of the weekend because he still stayed in that number one position. Kaike Pacheco on his heels. Kaike stays on as well as 88, 89 in the short mm-hmm. round rides. Hocus Pocus, but Cooper was able to smash a 94 win second in the event and keep that world world title uh, dream alive yeah he doesn't have a comfortable comfortable lead on anybody no. so no, no, not this early, especially this early in the year like yeah so really did you guys see jb's taking a break from the unleash the beast tour yes yes after we talked about last week of him taking his world championship exemptions mm-hmm. he still has them so he can come back whenever he wants to to use those those exemption events and he said he's still going to try to make the world finals this year 
but it looks to me like he's just going to hit that rodeo trail for a little bit and, and let things calm down and, and see how that goes. Yeah. I seen a ride on the weekend and he rode one dead easy. And maybe that's the confidence builders that he needs to get rolling again. Um, at the PBR level, right? Yeah. Montgomery. Was it Montgomery, Alabama? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Speaking of Alabama, um, the Alabama Slama, Ross yeah. Hill. I don't know if you guys got to meet Ross ever. I did here in Saskatoon one year. Uh, unfortunate incident. He uh, rolled a side by side, pulling a buddy out and uh, lost his life on the weekend. So that was uh, sad. I, I didn't know Ross great, but I watched a lot of the tribute videos and stuff. It looked like he really had uh, a passion for helping um, other bullfighters, like the young guys and, you know, Western Rist Ristowski, he, uh, he, he uh, had a really nice uh, post about, you know, he wouldn't be where he's at. Not people, not a lot of people know that, but uh, he just wouldn't be at where he is today in, in the world of professional bullfighting if it wasn't for Ross. So our uh, thoughts and prayers out to Ross's family. Mercer as well had a, had a good uh, yeah. Canadian world champion, had a big uh, write-up and a lot of good things to say about Ross, but the first time he ever went down there and, and Ross was the one who kind of made him feel at home and, and mm -hmm. took him to his first events and stuff like that. So yeah, Ross was a... Uh, I got to meet Ross a couple times down there, and he's a—he was a cool motherfucker, man. He was a wildcat, lived life Greg, to the Greg. fullest, didn't give a yeah. damn. Fucking. He reminded me so much of Greg Groomer. You yep. know, both Let's those roll. guys shot for Fra Shane Franklin, right? So I don't know if that's something that, you know, it's in the water around that Bonneville area or what, but uh, boy, the characteristics the, between the two guys were so similar, you know. Shane I'm had like, a Facebook post. Sorry, Scott. Shane had a Facebook like, post that said, uh, he, I don't know, however they met, but he hired Ross up, picked him up from the airport and said, I'm going to dock your paycheck if you go to the fence. And he said, well, then get ready to fucking pay me double because you won't see me on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that would have been the, that would have been the perfect fit right there. They'd love each other. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like you, Tanner. I met him a couple times down there at the bullfights. Just, quick chat and whatever. And I guess our connection was he had been in Canada and worked in Canada for Shane. And yeah, when he shook your hand, he was just beaming all the time. You know, he was always full of energy and very yeah. upbeat. And, and that was in all those posts, that was the common thread in those. He was just, he was lived life and mm -hmm. uh, wanted to see other people do good. So I, I am saying that when he came up to Canada, he would rent, um, yeah like a popcorn machine and a candy floss machine yep. and set it out on the midway or out in front of the arena and, and make a little extra dough, you know, make some loonies, some extra loonies and toonies. Yep. Right? No so he was, yeah. he was in, I read that. Yeah. I read that. Innovative. Is that fact? That was yep. fact. That's eh? fact. hundred percent. Yeah. I talked to him about it in uh, Duluth, Georgia one time. He was laughing. He's like, yeah, fuck. I used to go to those vendors and, <laughs> and give them shit. Cause they were selling it cheaper than I was. And they were fucking undercutting me while I was fighting bulls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he was a, he was an innovator. He's one of a kind. That's for sure. So our yeah. thoughts and prayers are with Ross Hills family and friends. That's for sure. Yeah. Too bad okay well sneaky weasel sneaky weasel lager if you're looking for a smooth refreshing beer this weekend grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager this mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 abv but goes down crisp and clean this beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration fun in the sun and good times with friends this beer is available all across of western canada 
Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFP podcast. Guys, Chase Outlaw returned to action at the highest level. What a what an awesome sight to see and to smash out in 89, get to his short, first short round again this year. He wasn't around at all in 2019. Those shoulder surgeries, we've been talking about it. Great to see him back. How did he look? I didn't watch it. Did he look Good. like just yeah. himself? It was 89. He rode uh, um, Bullseye, which is the bull that's in the short round a lot of times. Really good bull. Uh, one that the guys like to get on, but once again, one of those ones that you stub your toe, he's going to he's gonna put your dick in the dirt. So Chase rode him really well, made the short round. He picked a bull, smooth wreck, who he's rode a few times, bucked off a few times. Had a 94, I think, on him one time, picked him again and threw him off. But to, to come back and, and ride a bull like Bullseye and then to pick that kind of bull in the short round shows his confidence. And I think he's just going to get to roll in here now. Well, and how exciting the PBR and the fans are to have him back. Can you imagine how fast his motor was running coming into that? I mean, he'd, he'd have been chomping at the bit for how many months? RPMs, RPMs would have been red lines. Yeah, <laughs> it's good Good for him and good for the sport to have him back because uh, he brings yeah. a lot to it, that's 100%. for sure. That'll lead into our guest today as well. Mr. Ryan Bingham joins us today. We're very honored to have this guy on the show. If you guys watch Yellowstone, you'll know who, who he is, Walker from Yellowstone and singer-songwriter and all-around all around good dude, just a, a cowboy from back in the day, and I think it's going to be pretty fun to, to have a chat with him. I've listened to some of his music and stuff and then to watch him on Yellowstone. And I think he's a cool dude. I just like the way he cusses on Yellowstone. He's just like motherfucker and he calls it like it is. So no, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one for sure. And the, and the biggest takeaway I, I have from this is it wasn't easy for him, you know, and that, that's what I appreciate about guys, you know, like, just knowing how tough it was for him to get where they're at, you know, you, you can really relate to it a little bit when things weren't so damn easy when you're 21, 22, you know, it's paycheck to paycheck or in his case, wondering how he's going to get enough fuel to get to the next gig. Like he, he worked for everything he's got. So yeah, cool dude. Real cool cat. Well, before we get to that, we got one more ad read manscaped. Support for the NFP podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping, with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's capitalized NFP20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever. The Lawnmower 3.0, the third generation trimmer, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel comfortable shaving my boys. What about you guys? Well, I'm just going to say they got 2 million and one um, yes. fans now. I got mine. I'm telling you, I'm wearing Manscaped Gitch, Manscaped T-shirt. Yeah, it's it's good. Good. Oh, nice, soft, nice, soft T-shirt, eh? Yeah. Love yeah. the tee. Yeah. Love yeah. the tee. Yep. Yeah. Did you guys try out the, the, the lawnmower with the light? It works, doesn't it? Yeah, and the best part is you can do it in the dark and the shower. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Double the waterproof. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Waterproof. Yeah. Waterproof. You just throw that suck that light on high beam and let the good times roll. Dang right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code NFP20, capitalized NFP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okay, fellas, without further ado, let's throw it over to our interview with the legend, Ryan Bingham. You cowboy. Cowboy enough. Uh, he's a terrific cat. Don't not know it. He's also an incredible cowboy. Like Ryan Bingham's like an amazing oh, sort yeah. of triple threat. He's like an yeah. incredible actor. That's really saying something. Obviously a great musician, but he's also like an incredible cowboy. Our guest today is an American singer-songwriter, actor, and a cowboy. A winner of an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, Critics' Choice Award, as well as a Grammy. Not bad. Most recently, you'll recognize him as Walker from the hit show Yellowstone. A jack of all trades and an all-around good dude, Ryan. Fucking bang him, bang him. How are you doing today, man? Welcome to the NFP podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. You too. You too. So what's uh, what's been going on in your world? I know everything's kind of uh, shut down concert-wise with with COVID and all that. But what's been what's been keeping you busy? Man, yeah, I've just been kind of rolling with it. You know. Um getting ready to head back up to Montana for another season of Yellowstone here pretty soon. So I was real fortunate to have that to, to be working on, you know, definitely not being able to get on the road and, and kind of play music or, or I sing for my supper as I, as I usually do, you know, <laughs> so real fortunate to be able to work on that show, get ready to go up there. Um, at the end of last season, um, I tore my ACL in like one of the last episodes we were doing like a big fight scene. And so I've been doing a lot of physical therapy and just, you know, trying to get back in fighting shape, so to speak, doing that, hanging out with my kids and writing some songs. And um, man, that's about it. You know, just trying to kind of stay healthy, stay sane and stay in the game, you know. Fucking hey. Oh, bull riding injury probably. Hey, the old ACL. Tweaking. Yeah, for sure, man. Definitely feeling that stuff. <laughs> okay. Um so before we get into to nowadays, and, and I know it's probably shitty to talk about in every fucking thing that you go on, you have to you have to talk about it. But your story is is truly one of a kind. And I want to go back to your early days and um, your upbringing. It was kind of a, a fucked up situation, kind of shaped who you are nowadays. But can you walk us walk us through those early days? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was originally born in Hobbs, New Mexico right on the kind of state line in New Mexico and Texas, you know, you could almost be considered part of West Texas, you know, it's a couple hours from Lubbock there. And um, my family ranched out there for many generations. Um, about the time I was born, they sold the ranch and most people went to work in the oil fields, you know, all through there, Permian Basin. And uh, when I was about four or five years old, uh, we all packed up and moved out to Bakersfield, California. And uh, my granddad and uncles and them all worked in the oil fields out there in Oildale and Bell Ridge and around, around those parts and uh, spent some years out there and eventually moved back to Texas. So kind of around the Midland and Odessa area, you know, still 
chasing that oil field stuff and, yeah. and just moved all over Texas from there. Every little town from went down to um, Houston for a while, I was in Laredo and then ended up back around uh, Stephenville, Texas, around Fort Worth. I'd, my uncle got me into riding steers when I was a kid, you know, and going to junior rodeos. And so that's kind of what I did. He, he rode bulls and I always I grew up wanting to be like him and um, eventually got to go ride bulls there at Tarleton State in Stephenville and got my pro card for a couple of years. And, uh, and that's when I started playing music, you know, got, had a guitar running around with my buddies going to rodeos on the weekend and just making up songs of, about what, what we yeah. were getting into and where we were going. You know how that is and <laughs> playing on the tailgate of the truck in the parking lot. And uh, yeah, just kind of to summarize all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, here, how I got, got, got me to the place I am here for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, road steers, went to college riding bulls got your pro card for a while like you said uh where does where does mac altizer and bad company rodeo come into play because that was a that was a big part of your life correct yeah man that's a big part um is when i moved to stephenville uh i i was living with a guy named Corey mcfadden um which actually oh yeah i learned how to ride that's where i really learned how to ride bulls at his dad's place there in crane you know he'd, he'd always keep a little handful of bucking bulls and we'd go out there and ride on the weekends and uh, when I got up to Stephenville, he had just graduated and I was just kind of coming in and um, he had a, had a, an empty room or a couch and I ended up there with him and a guy named Randall Thornton and, uh, and a couple other revolving characters, Tony Booth and <laughs> Blue Bryant was there for a while. And, oh, Blue. and uh, but we, you know, we lived just about, you know, a couple of miles down from the, uh, the rodeo arena okay. that pro rodeo. And so, and I'd known back Mac from younger years, my uncle riding bulls and then, but um, just kind of approached him one day when I started really writing songs and playing guitar. And, um, you know, I went down there to the rodeo in there in town and he had it on. I was actually riding in the rodeo, riding bulls and just went and asked him if I could play some guitar afterwards for the cowboy hospitality thing. And fuck, he just hired me on the spot to not only do that to the, he's like, well, yeah, well, just go ahead and get in the truck and drive down to the ranch. We're going to need you down there too. So he just kind no of like volunteered me to fucking work full time for him. <laughs> he's like, yeah, why don't you, why don't you play at the barbecue and then also need you to haul some steers for me. So, uh, you know, here's a truck and a gas card and, you know, see you in Sonora. <laughs> so, oh, man. You know, in, uh, with, with, you know, we've, when we grew up, Scott and I are a different generation, obviously, than, than you and Tanner with yeah. the Western Lifestyle and Rodeo. But I remember like the Bad to the Bone tour and yeah. uh, everybody talking about like it, it was like a rock show at a Mac Altizer Rodeo. All the bulls were named after songs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Would you say that was kind of influential for you in your music career, do you think, Ryan? Oh, it was huge, man, because I, I remember being 13 years old before I'd ever been to Stephenville, and I was living in uh, uh, kind of around Midland and Odessa, Texas, and there was a, a bar cantina called Dos Amigos there. I don't know if you guys were familiar with it, but it was a... Well, I know the a, tequila. It was a bar. It was a bar. <laughs> it was just a bar in Odessa, and they had bull riding there. It had a little fucking little round pin with two bucking shoots, and man, they buck bulls on Sundays, and Matt came down there and put on a bull ride in one weekend, and man, all the, you know, tough showed up, Jim Sharp, Ty, like all these guys showed up. And I think it was kind of during the pro rodeo there in Odessa. And it was just like the biggest fucking party I'd ever yeah. seen. Um, yeah. Charlie Thompson would always 
usually put it on and he'd always bring like a couple little junior bulls so I could get on something while I was there. No shit. And, um, so I kind of got me, I got to get in the mix, you know, and they bucked one out and let me get on one. And man, like you said, yeah, every bull that came out had a name and a, a song that would play. And, um, just like, it was just a party. And when I really kind of started working with Mac and doing that, he really showed me, you know, kind of how to do that he's like you know show up and and put on a show and it's and it was more than just um you know kind of going through the motions and uh he definitely taught me a lot learned a lot from that guy he was kind of the first one to do that correct too like the the when he was inducted into the ring of honor last year with the pbr cody lambert mm -hmm. and all those guys were talking about bad company being the first first ever you know mac to to kind of what what the pbr is now you know he kind of yeah, started that yeah. from back in the day so mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing what about del yeah, rio did you ever take him yeah super bowl right yeah down there in del rio you know we put that on man that was you'd go over to you know we'd get down to the del rio and then we'd go over to acuna in new mexico and they'd have the calcutta the night before and you know and then the bull riding was the next day and it was all just bull riding and um and and it was cool you know and i i always remember mac though too you know because you know he you know he grew up you know did a lot of timed events too and even though he was very um you know i don't know kind of started the, with the thing with the whole bull ride he was always very uh kind of considerate passionate about all the other events too he right. always, i remember him yeah. always talking about that being like man you can't forget about everybody else you know it's that's like, right the barrel well, was, he was uh, he, calf ropers bulldoggers you know and so he was always just a big kind of um you know, he's always just kind of supportive of the whole thing. Uh, the whole an future. advocate, an yeah. advocate for the whole sport. Yeah, Mac was a uh, Mac was right up there in the steer trip and standings for a few years. Like he, I, I forgot about that, but yeah, that's bang on. You talk about Corey McFadden, and and he kind of helped you a lot, and you traveled with him. Uh, who else did you travel with? And and the music stuff you're talking. I remember some stories of them sneaking into bars and shit, and that's kind of your first taste of, of playing in front of people is, is, you know, is that kind of how that all went down? Yeah, it was really, you know, when I got to Stephenville and I, I'd been living in Laredo before then, you know, and I, and I was even, I was going to a bunch of bull ridings down in Mexico and um, was just kind of entrenched in this other fucking world to be honest with you you know i mean most of the bands i was we'd see were tejano bands you know and these these rodeos and these big fairs down in saltillo and monterey and chihuahua and we'd go these guys i met were hauling me around and so when i got back to stevenville it's common like i don't know it's kind of like coming back in from outer space in a way you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you probably grew up a lot of years in that yeah. time traveling just, through mexico you know, yeah, down there on the border and, you know, it was just, it was still the Wild West down there, you know, and I was 17, 18, rolling pretty hard down there. And so when I got to Stephenville, I didn't, you know, people didn't really kind of know what to think of me, <laughs> where, I, where I was coming from. And, but I, I was playing guitar and, you know, I was riding bulls and and meeting back with Corey, Mac and those guys was just something that was close to home and felt like home. And, and at the bars there, um, there were these just great bands that were playing every weekend and like these kind of local Texas Americana bands. I rock, I mean, I think the first concert I saw was Robert O'Keen yeah, there and like know. Pat Green and Corey Morrow and these guys from Oklahoma, this uh, cross Canadian ragweed and Jason yeah. Boland and all these, yeah, all know. these bands were playing this circuit, you know, and they were going, they would go down and hit all the college towns. And, um, you know, I was playing the guitar and, and then, 
every Wednesday they would have like these open mic nights where, you know, guys could come up and play a few songs. And um, I met some guys there at Tarleton. It's got Jeremy Hughes from uh, Louisiana, another guy named Chad Castillo and a handful of other guys that, you know, were, were riding there. And uh, they would always encourage me to get my guitar out and play a song and get up there and go. And there was a little, another little bar in Steve, it was called the Waterhole, And um, it was just a, little bar on the nine hole golf course there in town where we'd go drink beer. And they, they just assumed that I, cause I was with Corey Mack and all those guys that I was old enough to drink and be in, <laughs> cause we'd be the only ones in there. So I just rolled in and they just always assumed that I was of age, but hell I was fucking probably 19, you know, at the yeah. time. and eventually I got, they, I'd get my guitar and play and they start letting me play, you know, once a week in there. And, um, and yeah, that just kind of started it all, you know. So when do you when when do you go to the Wild West show uh, on the Disney Resort? You go you go to Paris <laughs> for a little while. Was that during that time or? Yeah, it was pretty life? close. Well, I was you know I was up there. I was in Stephenville there for a couple of years, and then when I started working with Mac, he just kind of took me. You know, I, I ended up I was either at the ranch with him or working down there, or um, kind of in and out of the Austin area trying to play gigs and. Um, I was actually down at the Super Bowl one year and uh, I don't remember what it was, but I ran into this guy, Barry Tubb. He's an actor and he played uh, Jasper in Lonesome Dove. Oh, and shit. He played uh, Wolfman in the movie Top Gun and a bunch of other stuff. He's, you know, a wonderful actor, been in a bunch of stuff. But I met him and, and um, he had actually known my uncle back in the day and had some family connections there. And he, and he said, uh, he was saw us playing guitar and could do the cowboy stuff. And he's like, man, have you ever been over to, to Europe and would you like to go? And, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so <laughs> he hooked me up with these guys in this wild West show over in Disneyland in Paris and fucking away. I went, <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't have any, you didn't have any fun in Paris. Did you? I didn't have any at all. There's no, <laughs> there's no fun to be had over there. Cause we had it all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you talk about uh one time you were talking about how you used to write all your songs down and, and have them all in a book and when you're over there somebody scooped that book up from you and then you never wrote stuff after that you just try to memorize everything and not write a bunch of stuff down is that still how you are today kind of it is man i've gotten tried to i've gotten a look tried to, i've tried to be better about it you know just so i have stuff written down and you know now that with the technology and you can record stuff so easily though whether it's on your phone or whatever i'll kind of get things down like that but um back then you know i just i was just such on the run and you know moved around so much and just really kind of traveled light and you know i had this little book i'd write things down in but i'd had so many things kind of either taken away or stolen or sold that i just kind of quit hanging on to stuff and um when i got that book stolen in paris we were all in a bar and um you know some we had our backpacks it was after the show and we were in there having a beer and you know a crew of guys came through and just kind of wiped everybody out stole everything that everybody had and um it was just kind of you know i've been writing songs and then since i'd started you know several years and when that was you know to see how fast that could all disappear and mm -hmm. Just like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just memorize them. Like, hey, <laughs> that way, you know? <laughs> Which I never do. I always forget them. So. <laughs> oh, um, you talk about that too. Like just always um, kind of on the run and, and losing so much. You've really been on your own since you were a kid. 
correct? Everything was, yeah. was kind of fucked up and um, you really had to, you, you really fit this, the no resume tour part of this NFP podcast because you just <laughs> fucking have had to, had to get by and do what it takes. And everybody kind of, you know, figures they live that life or, or they might've had a, a different upbringing, but, but your, your upbringing and your uh, life that you've made for yourself totally is what you've done day to day. So can you touch a little bit on, on just where you were at in those, those early days? Man, I, to be honest with you, I was just, it was just being lost, you know? I mean, I was pretty fortunate. My, my grandparents were good folks and I had, and uh, an uncle, uh, Clay Bingham, that was kind of the guy that rode bulls that taught me how to ride when I was a kid, you know, he's always real solid and in my, in, in my corner, but at the same time, you know, life was hard for everybody, you know, and everybody, you know, they as supportive of they were of me they're kind of like you kind of got to get you're gonna have to get out there and get it ryan you know it's like nobody's gonna you know give it to you and um and i think just being forced into so many situations where you know you kind of had to make a gut decision and you didn't really have time to think about it you know it was just always kind of being at that crossroads of like fuck do i go left or right you know do i turn around or i keep going straight you know and like just kind of always having to look out the, the, the windshield and, you know, put tape over the rear view mirror yeah. kind of thing and, and just hope for the best, you know, and as hard as that was at times, I, I feel grateful for situations now, like of being like, I've just, it forced me out of my comfort zone so much, you know, yeah. it's like, I probably wouldn't, if I would have been home on the ranch building fence with my family and kind of safe and all of that, I probably would have never, took a chance on you know going out to california and playing the guitar or going out to paris france and you know um there wasn't anybody but myself to uh talk myself out of it of doing anything you know so, I just went so on that ryan like and looking back in any regrets any regrets on taking a left turn instead of a right along the way i don't i don't have any man to be honest yeah. with you, you know, even through the bat, even through the things that weren't, didn't go the way I wanted, I, I learned something valuable from it. Right. You know, and I, and I think, especially now, you know, having kids my own or just kind of running my own business and um, things like that. It's just like, you know, you kind of take the unfortunate things and, and just learn the positives from them, you know, and, and take that with you for, to, to, to the next rodeo. You know? <laughs> yeah. And because, because you had um, the right left or the forward back and growing up through all that, do you feel now that you're like, fuck it, I can handle anything they throw at me. I got it. Doesn't matter. I kind of do in a way, you know, not to be like, um, uh, too cocky about it or anything but no. it's just like it's just about having a kind of a kind of a confidence of knowing that I know what it's like being at the rock bottom and and mm -hmm. I know what it's like being dead ass broke and you know I can be happy there too you know right so like even with success or material things that I may have now like a room full of guitars and amps and you know whatever trophies and things like that it's like if this place burned down tomorrow I'd Shit, right. right. load up, load back up in the street. The street will teach you that. It yeah. will. It that's yeah, I think we can all attest to that on this yeah. uh on this pod here right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, what maybe it just really makes you realize what's important, you know, in life and those little things and what you 
you know, what you can get by on, you know, and, and, uh, and what you can't with. So I, I just, I, I don't know. It made me realize I can get by on very little. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I envy that. That is something that is, is refreshing to hear. Um, that yeah, it don't matter. Take it all away. I'll kick its ass again. You know, come yeah. on with it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Man, you know? <laughs> so, uh, get back from fucking Paris, head out to LA. What brought you to LA in the first place, California? Well, I mean, when I flew back from Paris, I had a, um, I don't I think it was just the cheapest flight I could get, you know, it was back. They ended up was back in, in DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth. And, um, didn't really have any plans or know if it, anybody come pick me up from the airport. So I started yeah. just looking around to see if I knew anybody in the area that would give me a ride. And um, there's this guy named Graylin Smith that I knew from riding bulls back in the day. And um, I called him up and he said, yeah, he's, I'm actually an engineer now and I'm designing roads at the airport and I'll be there. I'll pick you up and you can come stay at my house. And so uh, he picked me up and I got back to his house and I had my guitar there and he asked me what I was going to do. And I said, well, I'd, you know, I'm probably, probably give Mac a call and, you know, go back to the ranch here in a couple of weeks, but I don't know. I might try to hang around and play a couple of gigs in Fort Worth. And he said, well, my brother's a drummer and uh, you know, I'm sure he'd go play some gigs with you if you stick around for a bit. And I said, well, where is he? He said, well, his name's Matt and he, he cuts hair during the day, but he'll be home here <laughs> in about an hour. And uh, so I, I, I hung around and waited on him and uh, Matt showed up and, got his drums out and we started playing in the living room and fuck before I know it next week, we we're playing over at Woody's Tavern on the West side of Fort Worth. And he, that was, you know, me and him started the band, the dead horses, which was the first Damn. band. Yep. And uh, we just played every shit whole bar we could play in Texas, you know, for a year there and went and did a couple of music festivals. And I remember we went up to Colorado, this music festival in steamboat, and most all the bands that were there were from texas and after it was over they were all heading back to texas and and you know to go play the same old bars we all played every fucking weekend and and um you know me and matt were both just kind of you know he didn't really like cutting hair much and i wouldn't really i was kind of down to just go anywhere mm-hmm. and we said fuck it i was like why don't we go to la or new york and i was like we're broke as hell we can be broke anywhere <laughs> <laughs> Be broke. we can go out there and be broke too you know and uh, we just literally flipped a coin and said shit let's you know it landed on california and it's like let's just go and see what happens and um i knew these some of these navajo guys from the wild west show in paris this guy lucas hogue and they're from new mexico and uh i called him up and at the time my uncle was living in, in new mexico as well so i said well if we can make it there Maybe we'll try and get a gig. And we would just try to make it to a town and get enough gas money to get to another town. Yeah. We were just trying to see how far we could get. <laughs> and we made it to, we made it to Farmington and I stayed at my uncle's house for a night. And then we went down and saw my buddy Lucas down by Grant's. And then we started heading West to LA and um, literally called this guy, this old friend I had from uh, Marfa. His name is Boyd Elder. And he's kind of one of these guys that just knew people all over the place. He was an artist. And um, I told him we were heading out to LA and he said, well, if you're going out to LA, because I got a friend that owns a bar out in Hollywood, it's called the King King. And he said, well, I'm going to call her up and see if she'll give you a gig. And so we're driving out and he calls her up and she calls us back and she says, yeah, Boyd called me. He said, y'all needed a gig and you guys can come in there and play on Monday night. She said, I can't pay you anything, but you guys can have some beers and whatever. 
And we said, hell yeah, that's a deal. Let's do it. And so we literally rolled right into LA, went to this bar called the King King and set up shop and played. And it was just Carla. She was working in the bar that night. And then a couple other people and um, this other guy and that other guy turned out to be Mark Ford. He was the guitar player for the Black Crows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we played for an hour and he's like, man, literally we came off stage. He's like, I want to make a record with you guys. And fuck, that was it. You know, we made a record and got signed to Lost Highway Records out of Nashville and um, the, the never ending road. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a badass story. Right yeah, there. that's fucking yeah. No resume, just going. That's fucking yeah. Yeah. So, the big break. Do you feel like it was um, Crazy Heart, the movie? Jeff Bridges. Uh, was that a turning point for your life, for your career? Um, can you walk us through that? Huge names in that movie: Robert Duvall, Jeff Bridges, T Bone Burnett that's where you won all these awards with was that kind of your first your first um big break or what do you kind of what do you look at look back on your life at that moment as man that definitely sealed the deal you know for sure um i think one of the biggest things for me though is when i signed a lost highway record yep. you know when when me and matt first went out to la we had this old suburban that a friend of us had given us and um, you know, we had just drove the wheels off this motherfucker and we, we were always broke down and we were literally, I mean, literally just, we would be, we'd be stuck in a town for like several days because we didn't have enough gas money to get out of there. We'd be washing people's dishes or chopping firewood or mowing lawn. You know, we'd just, we'd get stuck somewhere and get a gig and just sing for our supper and play for tips until we could get to the next town. And we did that for like a couple of years, you know, like from LA to New York and every like fucking Iowa and <laughs> Louisiana. I mean, we would just go wherever the wind would blow and like wherever, like, and it usually happened. We'd be somewhere like we'd be we're in Louisiana and like, we're trying to get, we weren't really trying to get to a specific town. We were always just trying to go in a specific direction. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like, where are you going? We're going West, you know? Yeah. So, and so people would more often than not, they would be like, well, shit, I got a buddy that lives in so-and-so. I bet, you know, they'd get their friends together and give you a gig in their backyard or something. And you guys could keep going. And um, whenever I signed the Lost Highway, they gave me an advance, you know, some money. And yeah. that was just like the first time where like, I was like, dude, we can go get a hotel room tonight. You know? <laughs> like, we, can, we can go, let's go. That, was that a good party night? Oh, Did you guys rip her up that night? <laughs> Well, we, that's kind of a funny story, man, because we, we, we were coming from New York and we were trying to get to Nashville to sign the record deal. And we broke down about four hours east of Nashville. <laughs> the transmission went out in our Suburban and we're trying to get, and we didn't have like any fucking money. And so I called the people from the record label and I was like, man, we're broke down and, um, you know, we're going to, we need to get a ride or a tow truck to get into town. And they sent a tow truck out to got our car and got us right into town. And the record label, the representatives from there, we're going to take us out to dinner that night. And this is the night before we're supposed to sign the deal the next morning. And we'd get so fucking hammered that night partying with all these record execs and shit. Like, I'm to this day, I'm shocked that they signed us. <laughs> we tore that town apart, you know? And uh, I just remember waking up the next day going, dude, we're so screwed. There, there's no way they're going to sign us now, you know? And 
sure enough, though, we went over to the Holiday Inn and met with them in the lobby and signed the deal. And they gave us a check and uh, we went straight over to this used car dealership and bought us a, a Ford Econoline's van and hooked up and it was just like boom let's go you know we, go. we had some wheels fresh new set of wheels had some money in the bank um that was really just such a refreshing feeling of like kind of having some ground to stand on you know yeah. and then uh when crazy heart and all that stuff came later that was definitely something huge and um kind of you know stamped it in stone or whatever you want to call it of just being like this is what i'm gonna do you know from how, how did that like the weary kind how did they find you how did they find that song for the show right i a friend of mine was an agent at a, a big kind of film place here in la and he knew the director um who's uh he took it it was a novel the guy uh thomas cobb i believe his name that wrote the original novel that they developed into the screenplay but um uh scott cooper was a director and my friend just introduced me to him and um, said that they were looking for some songs and that he was a fan of some of the things that I was writing. And I went and met him for lunch one day and he gave me a copy of the script and said, uh, you know, we're looking for some songs. If, you know, if you're inspired to write anything, let us know. And I took the script on the road with me for a couple of months and read it and wrote the weary kind song. And I got back to LA and I remember I called Scott on the phone and was just going to ask him what his ad address was so I could send him a copy of this song. And he said, well, I'm over here at, at T-Bone Burnett's house. And he goes, are you in LA? And I said, yes. He said, well, why don't you just bring the, bring it over here. And I said, okay. So <laughs> I got my 40 Conaline van <laughs> T-Bone Burnett's house. And uh, I was just going to drop, you know, I figured I'd just drop a copy of it off and um, knocked on the door and T-Bone answered the door and, and I went to hand him the CD and he said, well, come on inside. And so I walked in the house and there was a whole house full of people in there. Jeff Bridges was there and Robert Duvall and wow. um, all these like music people. And I mean, just, it was just a whole house full of people talking about this movie and these songs. And T-Bone went right over to the stereo and put the CD on right then and there <laughs> all these people. And I bad had a heart attack because you know, I just yeah. recorded it in my fucking garage, you know, it was like a little demo thing. And, and I was like, oh, gosh, dang, you know, and um, but he played it and listened to it and everybody kind of stopped. And right then he goes, that's it. That's our song. Nice. And he goes, can you play it for us all on the couch with a guitar right now? And I was like, yeah, I can play it. And so I got my guitar out and I played it and he said, yeah, this is going to work. And he said, why don't you stick around? We're going to write some more songs for this thing, too. And so I ended up hanging out there all afternoon and me and him, I got him, Stephen Bruton and. Uh, Jeff Bridges and a couple other guys and we just sat there and started talking about other songs to write too and working on that one and uh that was it yeah well, Je Jeff Jeff a bit of a songwriter then would you say that or he just yeah, dabbled? yeah yeah he's a he's a great musician good guitar player and definitely kind of got that songwriter soul you know mm -hmm. um and a very 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 good person too man I, he's out of that whole experience he was one of the nicest guys and would always take time out of his day to come say hello and even ask if like man he even gave me help with the acting stuff you know because i originally they just wanted me to have the song in there and then uh scott was like well shoot you guys should be the backup band for jeff and this bowling alley scene and all that yeah. and, uh, 
Jeff was great. He'd come up and go over lines with me and just, um, you know, he was a busy guy. He didn't have to do any of that. So it was always, right. always thought it was great that he would take the time and even just come over and say hi and, and, and be willing to help out as much as he did, you know? Fucking A. So yeah. fast forward then you, you, you write that song. It, it's a huge hit. The movie movie's a huge success. You win all those awards, the Grammy, the Academy Award, um, all that sort of stuff. And and from an outsider looking in, it'd be like the, the biggest break in your life, the greatest time of your life. But in the background, during that same time, you lose both your parents. Yeah. Just to have the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. What what is that time in your life looking back? Is it is it is it good times, bad times? What what do you kind of look at that? Mixed emotions or or how do you how do you recap that time in your life? Man, it was insane. Uh, it really was. You know, I'd had a lot of problems with my parents for a long time. They were both addicts and had some kind of mental issues and things like that. And um, so I'd always really struggled with that relationship with them for a long time. And obviously with the kind of recognition and some of the success I was having brought a lot of that to the surface of just my relationship with them, of having to deal with them on a, on a regular basis when I didn't have to before. Um a lot of people were like, yeah, this is the best time of your life. You must be so excited. And, da, da, da. and I was like, yeah, it is. But at the same time, it's also just, you know, it was one of the worst times of my life for sure. Um, and a lot of those songs, you know, and even including the weary kind was really about my dad, you know? So it was like, it was almost like having to tell, you know, someone telling you every day that your dog died it's just like every day it's just like i'm like i'm even when you wanted to be over it it was just like you know doing interviews and quite and i was like, what's the song about what'd you write it for and like i didn't really i wasn't able to go there yet you know yeah and um and then also I, and it was hard to sing the song you know without just kind of bursting out in tears every time i would try to sing it so uh it became very very difficult and like almost kind of shell-shocked me in a way of uh having like you know kind of ptsd from that experience of my parents passing away and uh um and then you know trying to perform and like be upbeat and kind of just go through the motions with it when i was just kind of crushed but uh um you know it's kind of one of those things it's like definitely kind of made me stronger through the process and you know i've had to try to uh you know attach different things to it nowadays and it didn't i did when it you know when it was when it was happening and we've been through that in our careers i mean by no means comparing mine to yours but it's kind of like when you open the door you put on your smile and face and everybody thinks life is perfect and yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes it's not, and, and it's tough for people that aren't in that position to understand. Right. Yeah, very much. You know, having to get up and perform in, in times, even when you don't, you know, mm -hmm. you're definitely not feeling it. I, I know you guys do for sure. And um, yeah, it's like, gosh, it doesn't matter sometimes what side of the bed you wake up on, you still got to get out there and get to work some yeah. days. And yeah. um, it ain't, it ain't always easy for sure. Okay, what about when you uh, when you missed fucking uh, accepting your Golden Globe? Can you tell me that? <laughs> that was a highlight, actually. For me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, out of all the things I remember those days, people were like, "What was the most exciting?" I was like, "That was a pretty fucking exciting night." <laughs> <laughs> so I go to 
I go to the Golden <laughs> Globes and it was the only one where my wife wasn't couldn't go with me to sit down because they had it where it was like it was all like a seated a rain seated thing and I remember this is the this was the very first award thing that there, I'd been to out of all of them so this is to start it all off and so I get there and they're like yeah you can't bring any guests no spouses girlfriends nothing whatever and so I get there I showed up and there was a bar like way on the other side of the building and where like guests could hang out you know and they had a big screen in there where they could watch it and so I'm sitting at this big fucking round table with all these people I don't know and they're all hobnobbing and talking shit and doing their deal and like nobody's interested in talking to me you know they're all smoozing with each other uh my buddy jack my agent that kind of set that you know introduced me to scott and this whole thing he was like hey man he's like we're over here at this bar can you sneak away for a drink and meet us over here and i said hell yeah i'll be there in two minutes <laughs> well i get up and like it takes me a half an hour to walk across this building and get over to this bar and i kid you not like i'm sitting there at the bar with jack and colin farrell and Jeremy Renner and a couple of other people. And like, we just get caught some beers and we're sitting there and they have this big screen TV. And I can't, I think Jack looks up and goes, Bingham, you just want a golden globe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, we're drinking beer. All we see, we look up on the screen and we see T-Bone Burnett up on stage. And he's just looking around going, well, where's Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> it's all live you know and yeah. so i was like fuck there ain't no way i'm gonna make it i'm not gonna run all the way over there so i just <laughs> drank my beer like, i'll get it yeah. get it later and uh man we had a lot of fun celebrating in that bar i bet <laughs> yeah turned it up so your uh your musical influences so you've had se seven albums now right seven albums are out yeah there. i think so yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> you started your own label yeah Huge success in the industry. Heartworn Highways is a show that I've always been very intrigued by and always watched with yeah. uh, Towns Vincent, Guy Clark, Steve Earle as a young man, and guys like Terry Allen as well. That that Texas Texas country. Even though you you've you know your music has evolved through over the years, is that where you kind of go back to? Is that your your roots? Is that what you look look at guys like that? Yeah, very much, man. Those guys definitely were the biggest influence role models on me. You know, I think just because they're from that same area too, you know, and just were singing songs about places that I knew about. And um, they were songs I grew up listening to with my uncle a lot, you know, so it was very close to home. Um, yeah, that movie and the, the, the music from those that era and those, those people were, uh, yeah, that was a very, very big influence on me, yeah. Definitely. And Terry Allen, you recently also did the, what's the show, the, the Midnight Hour presented by Yeti, right? Is that, yeah. uh, did you do that with the, the Malloy brothers as well? I did, yeah. 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 I did that with Keith Malloy, yeah. So if, if anybody can uh, hop on YouTube and go have a look at that, it's, it's, it's kind of, what did you do there? It was like a series with, with other singer-songwriters and you guys just kind of had a, had a visit about life? Yeah, you know, it, it really kind of started... And, you know, it's interesting you bring up the Heartworn Highways thing, you know, because I've done a, some music things like that before. But um, uh, this guy, Scott Ballou over at Yeti that does all the film stuff, you know, me and him and the and Malloy guys were talking about doing something. And, um, and we were like, well, what's it going to be about? You know, and we knew we it wanted to be music based. But I was like, I wanted it to be about kind of, you know, why people write the kind of songs that they do. You know, and like, and how their how their environment and where they grew up, how that shaped that, you know, and just like you asking me, like, why, what influenced me, and why I write the kind of songs I write, you know, and so 
you know, we did one with uh, Terry Allen and I did one with Jack Johnson and one with uh, Margot Price. And, you know, it's really interesting, you know, just kind of talking to people and being like, well, what's your story? Where are you from? And why do you write the kind of songs you write, you know, and how'd you grow up? And, you know, I know like talking to Jack Johnson over and, you know, he grew up surfing big waves in Hawaii and his just, you know, it was a different experience for him growing up as like, he was always more around kind of like a family environment, you know, of like being in people's backyards and on, you know, in Hawaii, they're all surfing big waves and lots of kids running around like the atmospheres, barbecues and things like that. And um, how that can kind of shape the stories that you're wanting to tell that are appropriate for your audience, you know, too, you know, yeah. and then thinking about kind of me playing in these rough ass road houses where, you know, people are getting <laughs> knives pulled on them and shit and beer bottles thrown at you. And, you know, it just like the setting's different, you know, and you end up kind of writing the attitudes different, you know, or whatever that is. Um, and uh, so it's always, inter- that was kind of the whole gist of it was to kind of explore the culture behind the people too, you know. Badass. Sounds like a good watch. You have to take oh, it's Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. yeah Mid- we'll midnight hour, on. midnight hour presented by Yeti. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay we, yeah, yeah we did those three and we're kind of hoping to do some more and just kind of really feel still kind of trying to figure out how to do it and what it's all we're going to be about but uh, it's a good start thank you yeah. yeah it's really good so you talk about that sort of stuff too like the the songs that say jack johnson's writing and singing and playing your songs have a lot to do with with your past and hard times and the the bad shit that's happened with your life when you're on stage and you have to play those songs night in night out is it does it take you back to those places sometimes is it draining or is it come just natural now where you just kind of flow through them or do you feel those emotions every time you play those songs some of those songs man it can definitely hit me harder at certain times you know uh, especially if i've been on the road for a long time just singing them every night it's just like yeah it gets kind of hard to relive them and i've i've tried over the years to kind of associate the songs with different kind of memories and things you know um, it's not always easy, but that, you know, you try, um, you know, I think when I wrote these, a lot of these songs when I was younger and going through that stuff, it was a way of, uh, you know, it was a very therapeutic thing of kind of getting things off my chest and talking about things that I, I didn't necessarily talk about with other people. And I never expected to be in a situation like this where I'd have a career and be playing them for anybody, yeah. you know? So it was kind of like, Oh fuck, people are actually listening. <laughs> you know, I, I never really I never thought I'd, you know, be in this situation where I was doing it for a living on the road. So um yeah, and I and I've tried to be even conscious about that of other songs and things I write in the future, like mixing it up where they're not all just so, you know tough to sing <laughs> and then you got a bunch of fucks like us just keep bringing up everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how does it feel <laughs> remember when yeah. your dog died dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah i remember exactly. yeah. no but it is cool for like and for me i i always go back to that that side of it with you because that's kind of how me and you really hit it off was just that the fucking bad shit that that went on and you came into my life right after ty posman had passed away so yeah. uh i was lost and then a fucking you know i didn't fucking know what i was supposed to do and then mm-hmm. you without even you knowing it just just from what you had been through and just your story you know maybe look in the mirror and be like well fuck if he can go if he can do that mm-hmm. i can do this you know i can get through this i can fucking 
um, push forward. And I think that that's what your music does for a lot of people without you probably even knowing it, just sitting there listening to it and listening to the words. It's like, fuck, he's talking about my life, you know, like, damn, that's fucking. And I don't know if that was, it's probably something that you didn't even mean to do. You're just writing your real story, but uh, you know, fucking hats off to you because you did you know you've helped a lot of people without probably even knowing it just through your music well thanks man i you know you guys you know you guys woke me up to a lot of that too you know because i you know i didn't realize that for a long time especially when i was younger and um you know it was hard to get out and say those songs and i think when you know i was talking about earlier about associating new things with these songs um that's a big one that's a big one you know i remember hanging out up there in calgary with you guys and (laughs) playing some tunes and like that's a new memory i have with those songs you know like whenever i get up and play them i think about stuff like that and i and i think it took me a while to realize too that i i was connecting with people and i'm and that's kind of one thing that really keeps me going these days of like even to be able to get out and sing those songs over and over and over i i try to take myself out of it and I see the people in the crowd and, you know, whether they got tears on, on their eyes or their big smile on their face, or, you know, they tell me a story after their show about what it meant to them or what they've gone through. And, and I realize, you know, everybody has their own experiences and their own stories, but we have, we share all these things together, these emotions and, and how we go through them. And um, if that's these songs can help us all tap into that together and like heal from all of that, then man, I'll get, I'll get out there every day and play them, you know, so that's, that's, uh, that keeps, that's definitely kept me going, man, too. And I I know you guys, uh, you know, I I appreciate everything you guys bring. You guys help me get through them too, you know, know, your story, your stories help me like realize that I'm not alone with all that stuff too. So it, uh, it takes all of us to make it, make it happen. Yeah. 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 So, your roll on obviously COVID's kind of shut shit down. You have it, your new album out, American Love Song. It kind of opened up though for you to to kind of go full on into this acting gig, right? So Yellowstone has blown up, fucking huge. Everywhere you look, it's Yellowstone. Everybody's talking about Yellowstone, <laughs> right? So how did that kind of come along, and how'd you how'd you land that gig? Man, the same way, kind of the the music, the the crazy art thing happened. I I got to know Taylor Sheridan. The, the writer of the, of the show a while back. And he just, he was a fan and wanted to use a couple of my songs in the show. And um, I met up with him out here and he learned that I used to ride bulls and, yeah. you know, cowboyed a little bit. And he said, well, fuck, we got to get you in the show, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't know what we're going to do with you, but he's like, we'll figure something out. And so he came up with my character and um, he said, you know, I don't know. He said, we'll just kind of slowly introduce you in there and he said he said if you do real good then we'll keep you in and he goes if you suck we'll just kill you off so i think for those first three up you know those first couple of seasons you know nobody ever knew if i was gonna die or come back because they were just waiting to see if anybody was gonna like me oh <laughs> uh, yeah so then i kind of got stuck doing it and then um and then I kind of always, you know, I was touring a bunch at the same time too. So I couldn't really commit to doing it full time. But then when the COVID stuff happened and all the touring was shut down, I was talking to Taylor and I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not doing anything all summer. And he's like, well, I'm going to write you in this thing. And um, it just kind of, yeah, I just kept kind of 
just like everything else, you know, it's like fucking rolling. Just, yeah. fucking, just keep looking out the windshield. Man. <laughs> no resume. So, so we don't. Can, is it safe to say Walker ain't taking a bullet in this season? Then I won't give it all away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. I won't give it all away. But still he's, yeah, but I can tell you, he's hanging. Walker's fucking tough, man. He's like, a- <laughs> <laughs> they ain't getting rid of him that easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you did you did do some acting obviously in crazy heart and then you were uh in a white in a movie that your wife did um a country called home correct yeah. so it's not your uh-huh. first your first uh time in the acting scene but is it something that you like and want to pursue further i think <laughs> i think you're probably gonna have to now the way uh what success you've you had doing it but is it something that you like to do and something you want to go forward with Man, it is, you know, the, I was pretty reluctant there at first, just, you know, cause it was new and didn't have much confidence in myself, but the more I've done it and, uh, you know, the more I've enjoyed it, you know, I, I've just, it's, it's become like a, another kind of creative outlet besides playing music and, and things. And what I like about it too, is like, I get to be in the same spot <laughs> while, yeah. I'm working. you know, you like rodeoing or playing music on the road. You're always just in a different town traveling right. day to day. And, um, like being up in Montana last summer, you know, we just, I was there for the whole summer working on it and my kids were able to come and be there for a big chunk of it. And oh, good. so I really enjoy that part of it too. And um, yeah, as long as it's inspiring and it's good, kind of good writing and good stuff that I, you know, that I, I appreciate the integrity of and I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong and, and I could, could be totally out to lunch here, but yeah. Ryan seems like Walker. Walker seems like Ryan. Am I off there? Is that, <laughs> is that character similar or what? Man, th- definitely. Like I, I try to embellish on a few things and, you know, growing up enough around enough salty cowboys, you know, you hear all those <laughs> sayings and stuff like that. Taylor's always been really cool about if you have a line or something that this comes up, you know, he'll let you try to, you know, play around with the, with the lines and things like that. So Definitely having lots of flashbacks to Mac Altizer and the Del <laughs> yeah. Um, even the shit that I've heard you Tanner and your buddy say, you know, <laughs> soaking all that and it, everything from this like a saying to you know an old limp behind the buck and shoots because you're fucking all beat up or what you know, all those little things, you know, I think about and and a lot of times it's just being on the set, you know, in the scene and and kind of seeing these other people, how they go down. And like, I, I can't remember what season it was, but I mean, if y'all remember where they did the bull poker and they crushed yeah. that girl, you know, yeah. well, that like I was sitting on the fence that night when we did that scene. And I mean, to tell you, dude, like these fighting bulls that this guy brought over were they were the real deal. Fuck. And this son of a bitch was meaner than hell. And they sat, they're all stunt guys sitting in the, in the arena. And I can't remember the girl's name that was doing the stunt that day, but like her back was to me and I'm sitting there on the fence watching and they let loose this bull. He's coming down the alleyway, just full fucking speed. Like he knew exactly. I mean, they must've had him turned out in there because he knew exactly where everybody was. He was running down the alleyway, looking at them through the fence the whole time. And when he came around the corner of that gate, he was at nine Oh, and just never slowed down. And just when he hit the back of her, I thought it broke the back and wiped out the whole table (laughs) and like plastic chairs breaking. And I I was like, there's dead bodies out there. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, there wasn't much acting going on in that one. I was just reacting to the fucking goddamn. 
you know, yeah. the trauma that just went down in the arena. Like, I know you guys, if y'all would have seen that, you'd have, you'd have been like, yep, that was a real deal. <laughs> that was a yeah. real deal. So last time I was at your house, uh, it was during the, the bull riding. I think it was in, in Anaheim. We stopped by and hung out for a little bit. And you were just coming yeah. back from first first kind of maybe it was just the the first season or i don't know what it was but you were just fresh into it and uh you didn't know much about it and you said you were just on a working on a show with kevin costner and there's a fucking grizzly bear on the scene <laughs> and we we're like oh yeah nobody we didn't know what it was right nobody knew what it was at that time yeah um, but but from that time to what it is now did you expect it to to be as successful as it as it seems to have become Man, I had no idea, to be honest with you. And I, no, I didn't. Like, I just, you know, you never know and um, with those kinds of things. And I know I had a lot of fun working on it and all that stuff. But I, you know, I didn't know if, what, how far it was going to reach or, or even, you know, sometimes it's not, doesn't depend on if people like it or not, but it depends on whether the studio is going to put it out there in a certain yep. way or spend the money promoting it. So there's so many of those factors that come into it too. But uh, I'm still surprised now, man. I mean, I think too, with, the pandemic going on, I haven't really been out and meeting a lot of people, but um, I'm, you know, I've met people from all over the world that are just like, this is the last person that I would expect to be into the yep. show. And they're just the biggest fucking fans. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, right. yeah, really? Wow. Yeah. You know, that's cool. So it's uh yeah. Everybody great. and their dog wants to be a fucking cowboy right now. I promise yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fucking, it's, yeah, it's done well. I, I know for a fact it will, uh, it will put you on your couch for about 10 hours of binge watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, this so, next season that's coming out is crazy, man. So, like, I don't, I can't give nothing away, but if, like, it's just so damn long. <laughs> Get right. ready. Can't sure. wait. That's good. That's a good teaser for everybody. Yeah. Um, so so what's next then? More acting, another album. What do you see in the near the near future for Ryan Bingham? Yeah, man, both. I, you know, having all this time off, I've been sitting around writing a ton of songs. So I've, I've kind of got another record in the can and um about to head back up to Montana here here in a couple of months to start working on the new season of the show. And so yeah, I got and then hopefully next year, you know, the uh, touring, I'll be able to get out there and start playing some more shows. And uh, so, yeah, just kind of planning on more music, more acting. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of about it. When you're, uh, when you're at home writing, is it an everyday thing or just an unplanned thing or whatever it strikes you, 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 you go with it? it yeah, it's kind of whenever it strikes me. I, I, I can't really just sit down at a certain time frame you know and be like okay i'm gonna write songs from 10 to 12 you know it's just really i've really kind of got to find some time to just be alone and let those things come like um sometimes i'll sit in here for like a half an hour and just play the guitar and have a little melody and then and then maybe i'll go for a walk for like a couple hours and like it'd be like you know walking down the trail and and just kind of relaxing and then something will come we're like oh shit i'll write it down then i'll come back home and record it but um, I've never been one to really be able to sit in here and just get a pen and paper out and force it down, you know. You normally go to the like a, out in the desert, right? Like go to New Mexico. Remember the yeah. one time I was at your house, I got all fucked up and missed my flight. And 
<laughs> I was trying to get back home and fucking stuck in LA. I think and all of you guys missed your flight. <laughs> Ten of you were happy. You were still asleep on my floor when I come down the next day. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. A good solid time. And, good uh, solid time. Yeah, I got a good story about you fuckers, man. Y'all, I think it was you and Outlaw, and I can't remember all the whole crew that was there, but like. There's so there's like 10 of these guys and they come Tanner was going to come stay at the house that night after the bull ride. And I think it was in Santa Barbara or something. And yep. um, next thing I know, I got 10 of you guys in down there in my bra and we're all partying about four or five <laughs> in the morning. And I'm like, God, I got to go to bed. And I go upstairs and go to bed and every one of them had their own rental car. <laughs> so I had like 10 <laughs> rental idea. cars outside the house. And then the next morning I had to, Pick up all the there's like full bottles of whiskey in my garden and all this. Y'all are getting rid of all the evidence before you turn them cars back in. Oh man, I fucking I wake up and I know that I'm missing my flight, and there's not overly too many uh international flights to Saskatoon from LA every day. So you miss your flight, you're fucked for a few days. So I'm hauling ass about fucking Tiger Woods and off the side of those fucking mountain hills. Fuck the wreck. But the moral of the story was you were going then to New Mexico, and then that's where you go lots of times to write tunes, right? You'll go just like into a trailer and just live on your own and just get back to OG yeah. Ryan Bingham and just try to write, right? Without anybody around, you'll go for weeks at a time. Yeah, and it's it's really just about getting away from distractions, you know, and there's no phone service or internet out there, and um it and this kind of you know, sitting alone with your thoughts in a quiet place can be a very uncomfortable thing to do, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, but that's really, man, I, I, that I've learned is just like, that's where I always find the stuff is when I'm kind of going inward like that. And you're doing that kind of soul searching things. And um, that's when I've always found that I'll write some song or write some thought that resonates with somebody else from halfway across the world, you know? whether we have similar backgrounds or we're from the same place. Like I can, I'll sing that song somewhere else and somebody will go like, man, that's, that's how I feel too. You know? And I think we all share those same kind of things deep down, you know? And so that's just kind of the, where I have to go to be able to tap into that, that kind of that place to get that. Okay. Well, Scott has our uh, infamous question. We'll try not to hold you too much longer. I know you're a busy guy on the go, but we, we appreciate you coming on here. <laughs> Well, Ryan, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Um, um, big fan, obviously. Um, the hashtag NFP podcast. We have our take on hashtag NFP. What's yours? Tell me yours first. No well, fucking ours, pussies. No fucking pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Which fits your life pretty good. Which fits your life. They're professional here in the crowd. No comment. Man, hey, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm not to go with the same. Ain't no fucking pussies around here. <laughs> oh, that's pure gold. I do want to tell one story, uh, Ryan. But the first time that we met, Chase Outlaw, Matt Triple, you, you flew into Calgary. And do you still do that show up in Calgary ever? You don't come to Canada very much. I haven't uh, just because of what's been going on. But I'm going to definitely try to in the next couple of years. Yeah. Come yeah, hang with you guys again. Yeah, fucking right. So, um, Go promote a Western Canadian tour. Let's get on it. Yeah, yeah, fucking right. So we're we're in Calgary. Me and Chase and and Matt Triplett are riding, and a mutual friend from Yeti, Corey Weesey, phones and uh, 
and says Ryan Bingham's there. And fuck, obviously we're all fans, but didn't know who you were, what your story was, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, we're like, yeah, we just we got to get tickets to whatever the fuck wherever the show is. Well, there's no show. He's just doing a private private gig. But all of a sudden, Chase's phone starts ringing, and I look out my camper and fucking Ryan Bingham's standing outside of the, <laughs> the camper, and I was like. Oh, like Megan, check this shit out. My wife. Right. And so we all went for supper and shit and got to know each other a little bit as it, as it proceeds on Ryan, you wanted to go back and watch the Chuck wagons. Cause the Chuck wagons at the Calgary stampede are a lot yeah. different than everything else. Right. Yeah. So we're like, uh, okay, well you go to that and then we'll meet up after we're like, Hey, we got a fucking party with Bingham. We go try to find a, a guitar. Cause Chad best plug had told you that I could play guitar. And I'm like, Oh my God, dude, you don't fucking like, <laughs> don't fucking do that, man. So whatever. Long story short, we all get to, to meet up and, and uh, we have drinks all night. And, and once again, party way too long and way too late. But uh, at the end of the night, you ended up giving me your guitar, which is a huge, it's on the wall right right back there, yeah, which yeah. is super <laughs> awesome. But Triplet, Tyler Hard, Chase Outlaw, and Jesse, we, we come down out of that elevator in, in uh, just outside the Calgary Tower. And the bell, the bell guy's standing there and he's like, hey, uh, you guys playing any more gigs this week or, or is this the only one you got? We're like, yeah, no, that, we, that was the only one we got. We just went and played a show for Ryan Bingham. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But then the, the coolest part about it was after that, like we got to know each other and we talked about kind of just getting that, that same mutual respect and feeling of, of loss and all that sort of stuff. And, and Chase's mom passed away the next day mm-hmm. and it wasn't, you know, an hour into the day and the Chase's phone was ringing and it was Ryan calling him just to just to talk to him and just to to let him know that, that he's going to be OK. And he's been there and done that. And I don't know, it just for me, that was just like instant respect for for a guy like you, Ryan, just to reach out to Chase and not knowing him really from Adam, just from the night before. But uh, I know he appreciates that. And I know appreciate I appreciate everything that you've you've done for our little friend group during the passing of Ty and then just everything that we've been able to, to do moving forward. I know that, that uh, it really shows the person that you are. And, and with your cantina sessions, it, it shows how you try to make people feel better. You try to uplift people. You never try to bring people down. And is that something that, that comes naturally to you or is that something that you have to strive for all the time? Man, I don't know. You know, I think, uh, you know, you guys show me just as much as I, I think you telling me I show you, you know, I think it's just kind of about maybe having empathy and compassion for people. And I, I know like maybe just kind of growing up the way I did and, you know, was always very grateful for anybody that would uh, just acknowledge me, you know, and acknowledge that I was a, a human being, um, you know, Mac Altizer was a guy that did that for me as a young kid, just kind of showing me that like, he just saw me, you know, you know, instead of just passing me by and leaving me on the side of the road, like, you know, and so um, maybe it's just kind of a natural thing. You know, I just think everybody ought to, you know, treat people how you would want to be treated too. So I, I just, um, that's kind of seems to be my default of just when I meet people, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, give them everything I, I can give, you know, and would want, want in return, you know, um, you know, that stuff with you and outlaw and you guys, you know I mean? Shoot. Uh, you know, you guys seeing me and hearing those songs and telling me that they mean just as much to you as they kind of mean to me when I write and sing them, you know, that, that goes a long way too. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a big revol- revolving door, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Last one. You guys good? Jason, Scott. 
Well, well I, I just got, I got one question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got one question. <clears throat> I know you, I was doing some research these last few days, and and Tanner's you bragged about you know you being a wildcat, cool dude, and and he's one of us, man. Well, and I I read or watched somewhere where you said that you like to get the boys together and have a shot of whiskey before you go out, and I I think that's a bottle over your right shoulder right there. Is that the go to or? What what's the go-to whiskey? Uh, this is my this is actually my new whiskey. It's called Heart Two, and uh, it's got oh, a, it's got so a bucket. there we go. You, this it's is yours, fucking bull, and that's my daughter right there on the top. Yeah, nice. well, yeah. badass. I yeah. guess uh, we'll just get Tanner to send all our addresses, and we'll expect a case <laughs> yeah. next week. Shout what's it called? Yeah, it cheers, cheers. It's called Heart Two, and um. This heart too kind of come from a story that my uncle had taught me how to ride bulls. When I, he has this tattoo on his arm and it says Twister on it. And when I was a kid and he was teaching me how to ride bulls, I'd always ask him about this story. He would tell me, and he drew a bull at a rodeo somewhere. And the, I guess he was called, he had a brand on his hip it was heart too. And when he asked the stock contractor about him and he said his name was heart to twist. Uh, that's good. I like it. He was just like double, he was double rank, and my uncle rode him and won the bull riding off of him. And you know, it was one of those things you'd always say if you're gonna ride bulls, you have to have a lot of heart too, you know. And <laughs> nice. Kind of, you know, what kind of just stuck with that. And being on the road drinking whiskey with my buddies all the fucking time, I was like, well, hell, if I'm gonna drink whiskey all the time. My buddies, I'm gonna drink my own. No <laughs> shit. Right. Where can you get it? Just is it just in the U.S. right now available, or is man, it? Man, it's just I just got them here at the house right now. But I'm hoping by the end of the summer, I'm gonna have it in stores. So, but I'll Hell definitely yeah. ship, I'll ship a case up there to you guys if I can. Uh, yeah. nice bootleg across the border <laughs> yeah across the border hell it, it might be cheaper if i just buy y'all flights to come down here well when these borders open up we're going on tour we're going to take yeah. the pod on tour we're going to head through utah and stop and see the right family then we'll yeah. swing on through vegas probably get hemmed up there for a couple days and nights and then we'll swing on through to cali Come mm -hmm. on and do it, man. I'd love to come and hang out with you guys again. So, yeah, keep me posted and uh, let me know the tour dates, man. <laughs> <laughs> deal, deal. Okay, so uh, that night in Calgary, I remember Chad Bestplug asked you, when was the point that you feel like you made it? And and your response was, I'm fucking still trying, man. I'm still rolling, you know? Yeah. After all the success of your music side, now the acting side, everything, your own whiskey now. Uh, <laughs> how, where are you at on that question now? Do you feel like you, you, you made it? Man, I, to be real honest, I feel like I made it a long time ago, I think, you know. I think whenever I just really, whenever I stepped out the door on my own and just kind of went out, you know, um, that was making it, you know, whether I ever made any money or ever any success at all, it was like doing what was going to make me happy, you know, okay. and just kind of following my heart and just going in that direction. Cause I, I think after I've learned over all these years, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like a never ending road. You know, you just keep going. There's always obstacles in life and, you know, having this thing of hope and all of this stuff it's just like man you just if you just know that there's going to be hard times ahead no matter what you go in what direction and you just take them as they come and keep your head down and keep moving forward um, um 
you know, gosh, even playing some of those bars back in the day with four or five of my best buddies, you know, like that's making it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. probably not traveling quite as light these days as you were back then, though, huh, right? When you leave the house, man, I'm not, but I'm trying to get back to it. To be honest <laughs> <with you. laughs> when you when you do look back, when you first started out and you first struck out on your own, mm-hmm. are you surprised looking back how many nice people there were in your travels? Um, was there more nice than bad, or treated you good and helped you along? Oh, all the way, man. They definitely wouldn't have got here on my own, you know. For, I mean, all the people that had let me sleep on their couch and gave me gas money to get to the next town. I mean, you guys know it from rodeoing. You know, that's just the – I kind of played music how I rodeoed, you know. I mean, I, I think that I was just successful in getting music and doing all that is because um, I did rodeo and I knew how to go on the road, you know. And, like, you go and you, somebody – put you up at their house and you wash their dishes the next morning or help them take the trash out and yep. hit the road. They remember that. And next time you come through, they're like, Hey man, if you come back by, give me a call. And maybe my brothers, my sister's got a gig in Tulsa or fucking Tularosa or where the fuck. <laughs> 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 or like Tanner, seeing Tanner and them guys up in Calgary, you guys, you know, like, Hey, next to you come back up to the rodeo and let's play another gig, you know? And so that's always just happened. It's just like, you meet people out there and it's like, you know, doing this podcast right now with you guys, you know, we meet, meet people in life and you stay in touch and, you know, there's definitely been just so many great, wonderful people out there that have, that have helped me and encouraged me along the way that uh, be just forever grateful for them. Yeah. Nice. But, uh, nice. Okay. Well, we, we won't keep you any longer, man. We appreciate you so much coming on uh, the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. This has been Ryan Vega. Down to the one